This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. The latest edition of the post-game podcast is here, following Liverpool's 1-0 victory at Anfield over Fulham, with Mohamed Salah converting from the spot in the first half and the Reds keeping a clean sheet to make it five Premier League wins on the bounce. We'll bring you Paul Gorse's reaction from Anfield, as well as Jurgen Klopp's press conference and, of course, plenty of fan reaction. Liverpool close the gap on Manchester United and forward to just four points with a 1-0 win here in Anfield against Fulham this evening. Mohamed Salah's first half penalty was enough for the Reds in a game that was uh, perhaps unnecessarily nervy, particularly towards the last 15 and 20 minutes when Fulham really grew into the game and perhaps should have equalised through Carlos Vinicius. Um, but all in all, it was a game that won't feature for too long on the end of season DVDs, let's just put it that way. There weren't too many chances for Liverpool in either half. Uh, Klopp made three changes from the 4-3 win over Tottenham Hotspur on Sunday. His cost that Simicast came in for Andy Robertson, Darwin Nunes led the line for Cody Gakpo. And uh, there was a start for Jordan Henderson in place of Harvey Elliott. Um, uh, Nunes was uh, full of effort, um, a lot of endeavour and hard work from the Uruguayan. Uh, uh, really made him a bit of a cult hero in his first season at Liverpool, but the uh, hard work wasn't quite matched by the quality at times. There's still plenty of rough edges to his game. Jürgen Klopp has said recently that the ticket into the Liverpool team is to uh, work on the counter-press. And Klopp has been quite pointed in his criticism over Nunez's uh, still inability to really speak English, uh, to uh, communicate with his teammates on the pitch. But um, he, to be fair to Nunez for all the hard work and endeavour, it was him who won the penalty when he nudged the head of Issa Diop and was taken out by the Fulham defender in the closing stages of the first half and Mohamed Salah for the second game run and stuck away a penalty at the Anfield Road end. He's now up to 29 goals for the season, uh, 99 goals at Anfield and just continues to climb up the rankings in the all-time scoring list at Anfield. Uh, other than that, as I say, there wasn't too much to write home about. Nunes had half a chance in the second half after he shot wide. Jordan Henderson had a bit of an ambitious effort that was over the bar in the closing stages, but not too many guilt-edged chances for Liverpool to uh, to talk about or carve out or really anything to put Fulham under too much pressure. Um, Liverpool probably saved it in all honesty, but uh, Fulham certainly did come back into the game in the last 15 or 20 minutes, as I say, and Carlos Vinicius certainly had... Um, Fulham's best chance, Virgil van Dijk, I thought was excellent on the night. He made a crucial interception early in the first half when he uh, slid into a clear Harry Wilson's cross across the box with uh, Vinicius waiting for attack. And it was um, difficult for van Dijk not to concede a penalty, and, uh, or not to concede an own goal rather, and did very well to clear that one. There was another one in the second half and he cleared Bobby Decord over Reed's cross into the box with Vinicius waiting. And uh, it was an impressive performance from the number four. He looked uh, back to his, uh, very much his old self uh, here tonight but as I say other than that not too many talking points to uh, to write home well, Curtis Jones once again starting for um, is it a fifth successive game just off the left of that midfield three um, Trent Alexander-Arnold continuing that inverted fullback role that very much looks like it's here to stay certainly for the rest of this season but all in all a uh, pretty mundane routine one no victory here for Liverpool that just keeps the pressure on United they're four clear Ahead of a trip to Brighton tomorrow night. That's going to be a tricky game for them. Liverpool, of course, have been there twice in the FA Cup and the Premier League and been beaten on both occasions. So they'll be keeping their fingers crossed for another uh, inspired performance from uh, Roberto De Zerbi's men. So it's uh, Brentford to come on Saturday afternoon as Liverpool look to make it six wins on the spin. They're now unbeaten in seven, closing the gap on the top four. It might have come too little too late in the season, but uh, the Europa League is still very much 
uh, on the agenda for Liverpool if they do come up short in that Champions League chase. But it's finished there at Anfield. Liverpool won, Fulham nil. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Really pleased with, with big parts of the game. Um, first half, controlling, creating, not finishing the situations off, but we saw obviously uh, for, for analyzed reasons a um, couple of games of them, especially last game against City, you could see that City couldn't create chances like they usually do. Um, it was from counter-pressing, direction, winning balls deep and counter-attacking themselves or, or quick um, attacks. And so we were prepared for that. We knew that it's really, they closed the centre extremely well. Um, but I couldn't respect more what Mark was doing there because um, they had to make five changes from the last game before that game already they had injuries so that's a really tough task and it's a super this team is set up in a sensational way really good really good and caused a lot of problems but we could have obviously could have scored more often penalty I like a lot because it's a counter pressing situation Darwin is fully in the situation um, and, and, and gets a pen for that and um, Mo finished it off good as well if we then don't close the game early then you have to fight until the end, and we needed Ali, obviously. <laughs> uh, uh, the last situation, I think, of finishes uh, was um, was sensational save, um, and he was really happy about the clean sheet more than anybody. Um, and so, yeah, five games in a, wins in a, in a row is super difficult. If uh, that would be easy, everybody would do it. We would have done it earlier. Feels like it's ages, ages, ages ago that we did it, and um, probably it is. And the more. Um, I like it, to be honest. That was Darwin's first start for six games tonight. Did you get what you wanted to see from him, what you've been working on with him? Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's past, it's super important. You could see in the beginning, defending the centre against, uh, against um, Fulham is, is really important because Palinia is there and the one that's there connect the get on the ball. So we were a bit too early out there from Darwin. We tried to fix that um, again, but he wanted he was like a, a racehorse. Go 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 for everybody. And we opened up that that's where we struggled slightly, where, where they could where they could control it for moments. Um, but we could solve that. But apart from that he played a really good game. He was always he was always um, a proper option for us. Um, we needed that. One of the the, the, the main things we had to do tonight is offer in behind. We had three really quick players there. I like the situation pretty early in the game and Mo receives the ball deep and chips it in behind and Darwin can go there. Don't know exactly anymore what, uh, what was the result of that, but maybe a corner or stuff like this, which is good as well. So, yeah, yeah, he, he played a good game. Andy? You've not been able to field that front three very often uh, this season. Yeah, I thought I thought that well. We should not forget. You can see with with Lewis that after thirty minutes, stuff like this, you can see it's really tough for him. It's tough for everybody. We play a lot of games, and uh, there was we had a discussion uh, uh, with the coaches. Is it who shall we rest? Is it Cody? Is it because Yoga couldn't train again? So I, I hope tonight. I think in the first situation he's on the pitch. I think the first one is again. I'm not going to back. I hope. I hope that's now better because um, he has a proper, proper bruise 
at the at the ribs. Yeah, so it's really painful. Everybody had that before. Knows that. Um, so can shall he start? Cody, bam, 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 how do we do it? And um, that was the outcome, this lineup. And um, I thought he did for a long space really well. How I said, Darwin, like a racehorse, really motivated, really on fire. Yeah. And that's important to us and all of them. When when Diogo and Cody came on, uh, they were really in the defensive, were extremely involved. And we had then a few sensational situations where the last pass didn't go through Curtis to more stuff like this where everything is nearly perfect and then the last pass it's like on the foot it's only an inch in the end um, it's maybe half a meter but um, yeah there we could have done better but that's fine no I like what I saw Tom yeah, yeah you, um, you mentioned Ali uh, <coughs> for all the um, dips before uh, the, the team has had in general Ali has probably been the most consistent player all season yeah and that's just the uh, that performance tonight sort of reflected the board as an all year. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so a couple of times, yeah. <laughs> he was really touched that we got a, a clean sheet tonight. It's that long ago. Um, yeah, and he 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 kept he kept a clean sheet for us. So um, in that, especially in that situation, there were a few others, but especially in that situation. So um, yeah, he's for sure the most consistent player we have this season. Um, that's actually. Uh, not bad news, it's good news because if we are not in a great shape and the goalie, the level of the goalie drops as well, then we would have been completely lost. So um, that's fine, but um, we, a lot of moments were really good tonight, but then there are moments obviously where uh, we still have to adapt to the, to, 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 to the setup. You can see that when the when Trent cannot be any everywhere, so it's not that he can be in midfield and the next situation is directly in the right back position. That has to be covered by Ibu, and there were a few situations where Ibu was a bit too far away, and then they could turn and could have the the the, 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 the attack. And we have things to to improve definitely, but um, in a lot of moments it looked already really good. Dave, I just wonder how satisfying it is that we've actually done the hard work tonight and got the result. Something that happened all the time last season, but this season. Super satisfying, super satisfying. Um, it's exactly what you want. So, I've got to ask a question. If um, I'm a bit, um, I feel not great about that, the chances we missed, not, no, really, because I know the boys can score goals, but we had to, we have to fight for a result. And um, the situation we are in is when you're one nil up, and and the, the the watch is at 87 minutes. It's not that you think, okay, we will, we will bring that home. It's, it, it is a little bit because we had our history this year. And you think, okay, there's maybe another opportunity for them. Um, that's the situation. We, you have to build this confidence again. So, and to start with a 1-0 then, uh, getting it over the line with a big fight is obviously super helpful. Chris, last one. Yeah, yeah. No, we had, we had a conversation, and, and, and he is um, obviously he wanted to keep it, um, to, uh, to he wanted to stay the penalty taker, um, and then we had a normal conversation about it. And I said, okay, yeah, we are. If you don't feel great in that moment, and that's what he said. If I don't feel right in that moment, because the pressure obviously increased with penalties you miss, um, then Fab or Trent or whoever is then two and three, uh, I give the ball to them. But um, that's now it's uh, he. He smashed 
uh, what is that, the jigsaw of Abbott of Destiny again and, and, and turned it around. So this today was a super penalty, I would say. That's really clear. So I think with all the goals Mo scored, we cannot just judge it with normal two missed. Go away from it. That's what I meant when I said we have people talk about it. But I know that you understand when I say we'll talk about it, I tell them you are off. But it was a, an, 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 a conversation between two grown up men. Yeah, yeah, he enjoys these situations. Eh? So the, the problem is before he missed a pen, we didn't have for 28 games or so. So how can you, so we train that obviously, we have people for it, but that's it, a special situation. You cannot, it, uh, 28 weeks is like four years around the world, it's like uh, for forever. And you can't remember any kind of pattern, stuff like this, it's just you go there and then you miss it, you can still finish it off, but then you miss it and that is not, doesn't feel great. So this little break after the second, the, the, the Arsenal pen, the talk, the conversation, like yeah, shake it off if you want and, and go from there. I think that's absolutely the right thing to do. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, not the best game you'll ever watch from Liverpool and Fulham tonight. Liverpool ended up coming out on the right hand, right side of the results, should I say. Winning 1-0 and keeping their winning streak going towards the back end of the season. Obviously, ultimately, you'd have to take into account that Liverpool's ultimate objective of meeting the Champions League spaces this season is not going to be reached. And therefore, psychologically, even if players will want to show the best sides of themselves going into next season, there has to be that human element of maybe not reaching the elite performance levels just because the stress of the actual fixture and what's resting on the games isn't as high or the atmosphere isn't as high as it would normally be if there was something bigger to play for, if that makes sense. So I think that needs to be factored in. However, Liverpool were again indebted to their goalkeeper as they have been on multiple occasions this season to be able to obtain a result from the game. And I wanted to mention the goalkeeper again because sometimes I think it's just easy to just take it for granted really just how fantastic this player is. For me, without question, if not the best goalkeeper in the world, pound for pound. And I think it's sort of unequivocal when I watch him now that he is the most talented goalkeeper to ever play in the Premier League. I mean, when you think how goalkeeping's moved on and how much more is expected from the player in that position, I think he is the ultimate representation of excelling in virtually all areas. And none more so than, I suppose, what people would consider the most important part of goalkeeping, which is actually making the difference in keeping the ball out of the back of the net and his post-shot XG differential compared to the average goalkeeper and compared to virtually every other goalkeeper in Europe, it's just there's just no comparison in the way he can allow Liverpool to get out of situations which they've been in so many times this season where he is left exposed and the percentage chance of scoring a goal for the opposition normally in against any other goalkeeper would result in, in far more goals going in the back of his net. And whether it's judging distance like he did in the second half when an on-rushing attacker comes out and takes a touch and that ability to minimise the amount of room within the goal for the player to be able to strike the ball into, minimise the, the margins in which the chance becomes a goal-scoring one. Or whether it's all elements really, just the ability to, to shuffle his feet, being able to make 
what you would call difficult shots look routine. He just manages every single element so well. And Liverpool are very, very lucky to have such a player. And Liverpool's player of the season without a shadow of doubt. And again tonight, Liverpool's best player. Fantastic save in the first half in which he tipped it around the post. And as I say, in the second half, again, managing that distance inside the penalty area when a player is, is bearing down on Liverpool's goal. So I think the most important thing, however, to come out of Liverpool in the next few weeks will be what system they go into next season with, whether or not this is a long-standing system, what Liverpool are currently playing with, with Trent Alexander-Arnold operating in midfield when Liverpool have the ball and when they're looking to counter-press without the ball. And, and again, in real comparison to the, basically the rest of the players on the field, I felt Alexander-Arnold was, was excellent again today. And what we have seen is, regardless of the success of the overall, in the the, the tweak in the system, it has allowed Alexander-Arnold more touches on the ball, more percentage touches in comparison to the rest of his teammates and basically to be more of a centrepiece in receiving the ball and being the primary ball circulator within Liverpool's side. And the more times you can get your best technical players and most creative players on the ball, it can only be a good thing for the side. We've seen so often that the amount of touches that Mohamed Salah receives when he receives Jordan a game when he plays for Liverpool normally results in how successful Liverpool are in the fixture and it's no different with Trent Alexander-Arnold and Liverpool really whichever formation they go go with into next season that needs to be the objective to get them two players on the ball as much as possible and then Liverpool nine times out of ten you would imagine would have a better chance of winning the game one other thing that I haven't really touched on with the, the changes in formation is how it may affect which players Liverpool look to acquire during the summer because obviously there's a lot of difference between playing a default 4 3 3 system and compared to playing the current 3 4 3 system. So, what I mean by that is, well, straight away, if Trent Alexander Arnold is going to be in that hybrid role for the long term, then you would probably be looking to try and find a player who could adequately replace Alexander Arnold playing that position because. And although we know Trent Alexander-Arnold isn't regularly injured throughout his career, what you would want is you'd want to replicate a similar pattern of play or style of play with a player being comfortable playing in both roles on a consistent basis. And I just wonder whether Liverpool have or someone already in the, I don't know, one of the younger players in the squad who plays in that right-back position. I know they've had Conor Bradley out on loan. They've got Calvin Ramsey in the squad. I don't know enough about the two players but a similar kind of profile who could fit in for Alexander-Arnold. Of course, that would change if Liverpool weren't able to go with that system. And, you know, the the importance of potentially finding some uh, a full-back who could operate with pressure from multiple sides, dropping into that midfield would be, be less needed, if you like, going forward. Also, if you look at Liverpool potentially playing a back three, and I've mentioned this before, you know, your ideal fifth for that position on the left-hand side would not be a full-back in Andy Robertson. We've seen he's had his trouble over the last few fixtures. And normally, if you were playing with that back three, you would play with left-footed centre-half who's comfortable operating in wide areas and being able to open up on that left foot to be able to play forward so that Liverpool aren't decreased in the manner and the, the quality and the, the pace in which they can go forward because essentially you're opening up your body on your strong side to be able to play forward from that position and I just wonder if Liverpool might be looking at that kind of player as well going into the summer if they are to stick with this with this setup 
And then obviously that takes us into midfield. And I think one of the big sort of stalling points or difficulties that players like Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott have found so far in the Liverpool careers, apart from operating in a side which has been less successful and taking a more prominent role, when I say less successful, I mean from how Liverpool have been previously, is the fact that the 4-3-3 system doesn't really fit either player. So, because essentially, them two players who play ahead of the deepest player in the 4-3-3 are essentially number eight players, multifunctional players who are capable of playing playing deeper, being able to be involved in the build-up, comfortable in dropping into lower areas, more accustomed to doing so, if required, being balanced players out of possession, being able to cover and support. And one thing we know about the likes of Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones is they've largely played their careers as wide players or in a number 10 position, especially in Curtis Jones's his case. Jones obviously operated high on the left-hand side of an attacking front three and, Kate and Harvey Elliott the same, but on the right-hand side. And all of a sudden, they were coming into play in an elite footballing environment, playing in a 4-3-3, operating as number eight players and asked to do very different roles, both in and out of possession, dropping low when they have the ball and also being much more disciplined and having to be much more reserved out of possession also. And I'd never felt that it was a stylistic fit for either player. And I did always think to myself, as much as I think the very talented players, how could these players have a future career at Liverpool? Especially when you see how important it is to have English homegrown players within your squad of ability. And obviously them two, you can tell from a mile that we have excellent quality to be able to fill them kind of spaces. But with the changing system, it's almost them two higher slots with a box midfield. You're now operating as sort of two number 10s in higher areas because you've got that extra protection of an extra deeper player in the build-up and also without possession if needed. And it means they're naturally inclined to be operating in positions which are much more familiar to them in the half spaces on the, on the second highest line of the pitch and operating in pockets of space in which they can be more creative and more freer both with and without the ball. So again, that could impact the likes of these players going forward. I mean, another player who could be impl- impacted by that is Fabio Carvalho, who's been a, a difficult stylistic fit, although the fact that Klopp isn't using him says to me that maybe his future might lie away, especially in the short term. But again, it just opens up them kind of areas for potentially different profiles where you might have been looking at these number eight kinds of players who are more multifunctional, multifunctional sorry, and can drop deeper and more defensively disciplined when all of a sudden you might be looking to acquire more technical uh, how can I put this more technical number 10s who are more creative play a bit freer in that final third maybe they're the kind of players you now look for to operate in them kind of roles and obviously regardless Liverpool are going to be having to be probably a deeper player as well because it depends I suppose how much faith in the having Stefan Bajcetic to operate as Fabino's deputy and how physically and, and technically ready he is really to play at the level. But I think they're the big ones I just wanted to take from today in how the system change might alter the kind of profile of players who not only can will have a future at Liverpool, but also who they might want to acquire to be able to make the system work. And if it isn't to be that system going forward, it would certainly, for me, be different kinds of players, both in midfield and in the the deepest line of the pitch. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.